Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast. This is episode 564. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh, and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. Thank you to Johnny Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnyseeds.com. Well, we are in the midst of American Flowers Week, which runs annually from June 28th through July 4th. In 2015, Slow Flower Society launched American Flowers Week as an annual advocacy, education, and outreach campaign to promote domestic and locally grown flowers. It's the original domestic flower promotion campaign. The project encourages flower farmers, floral designers, flower enthusiasts, and gardeners alike to share photographs of their blooms across social media using the hashtag AmericanFlowersWeek elevating local flowers, and communicating the many reasons to support domestic floral agriculture and sustainable floristry are at the heart of the campaign. According to the 2022 National Gardening Survey, research sponsored by Soulflower Society, 65% of Americans say it is very or somewhat important that the flowers they purchase are local. That's up from 58% in the 2021 survey. These numbers are trending up, folks. Sharing red, white, and blue bouquets to commemorate Independence Day and the celebrations around that, well, it's one way to woo the eye of the beholder. Today, you will meet the individuals and creative teams responsible for our 2022 American Flowers Week Botanical Couture Collection. Together, they have drawn inspiration from nature using design and art to bring deeper layers of meaning to their work. Let's jump right in and meet the creatives. You can see their botanical couture looks and learn how you can use the social media graphics for your own American Flowers Week promotional projects. Let's jump right in and get started. I'll just welcome all of the creatives who are here. We have uh, eight looks and I'm going to just start the PowerPoint so you get to jump right in and see the juicy uh, images. So this is a, a collection of- That's amazing. I know, eight great looks. And uh, we're gonna walk through those and talk to everybody about their project. And Jenny, thank you for designing this. It's so beautiful. Mm. Of course. It's our seventh year of doing botanical couture. Um, ideas, fashions, you know, garments that feature flowers, American grown flowers and putting them on live models and photographing them. So I can't believe this year takes us up to 45 botanical couture looks. Before I get started, though, I want to just mention Shelly Aldrich. She is the artist that we commissioned this year to create our branding. Um, every year, well, not not since the beginning, but for like the last five years, we've tried to partner with a, an artist. Of course, it seems to always be a female artist. I don't think it's exclusively that, but we find people who's work inspires us. Shelly is an illustrator from Southern California. She does a lot of um, landscapes, a lot of whimsical characters. Mm -hmm. These are some of the work, this is some of the work she has done. And we reached out to her and asked her if she'd create our, uh, something that we could use for American Flowers Week. These are two of her concepts of kind of the country covered in red, white, and blue flowers. 
And this is the final piece that she did. Oh, that's beautiful. Complete with Alaska and Hawaii. Yep. And Jenny turned this into a graphic. So this is uh, free for anyone to download from AmericanFlowersWeek.com. There's different formats for social media, stories, posts, and also Facebook. You're welcome to use it and just just use the hashtag AmericanFlowersWeek um, anytime between now and July 4th. And now, without uh, further ado, I want to jump into our botanical couture collection and meet the creatives behind our collection. Um, starting uh, this week, we're going to drop Slow Flowers and Bloom Imprint have come, come together for the second year in a row to create a digital flip book, like a, a digital magazine around botanical couture. So this is going to be available um, as of the first day of summer, June 21st. So if you're watching this, it'll be out already. It's free to Slow Flowers members and then uh, non-members can download it for a nominal fee. Uh, and you'll learn more about this cover girl look uh, when we get to uh, the artist who created that. Uh, but let's just jump right in and meet the creatives. And, um, oh, this is 2021, but it should say 2022. So just forget that. And we'll start with the first design. We call this Take Flight. All the credits are on the screen. Uh, but primarily, I want to talk to the designers, Xenia D'Ambrosi of Sweet Earth Co. and... Natalie Collette of The Gardenist, both Slow Flowers members. Uh, Natalie is in Connecticut. Xenia is in, um, in New York. So Xenia, jump in. And this is what you submitted as your, some of your inspiration. Why don't right. you talk a little bit about that? Um, sure. Thank you, Deborah, for the, um, for the invitation to be here today. Um, this was a project that was a passion project that was in my mind for about three years before I actually just um, decided to just jump in done um, the world. So flower um, farm and, and a part of my is gardening at this Natalie. Um, and when I started flower farming, noticed how much um, biodiversity there was in terms of pollinators, in particular, that just solidified the idea in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so um, the idea was instead of um, creating a fashion look, um, we went more for uh, a common piece of bluebird. Should we should we look at should we go down and look at it? <laughs> sure. I want to ask everybody else to put themselves on mute while the, the creative is speaking because I'm getting a lot of feedback and it might be my, me on my end, so I apologize. Uh, okay, well this is something out of I don't know. Uh, this is cinematic. I, it's something out of a film or a, 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 a I don't know a painting. So uh, tell us about your bluebirds, Enya. I had in mind um, this particular, I had shots, photographic shots in my mind already, a, a shoot list that I wanted. Um, and I kind of worked backwards from there. Um, so uh, obviously we focused on uh, blue flowers um, and stuff that was uh, flowers that were growing um, now seasonally. And so this is a mix of fresh flowers and dried flowers. Um, we have um, the cape uh, is primarily delphinium. The headpiece is hyacinth and muscari. Um, there is uh, a front skirt that is a uh, white snapdragons. And then the dry portion is the apron in the front, uh, the, the breast, the brown breast. Hmm. Um, that shows this, this scene shows a little bit more of the detail of that headpiece. And then, the brown breast uh, in the in the which replicates what the bluebird uh, tan chest looks like, right? This is very much uh, in keeping with uh, the male bluebird. So let's bring Natalie in and hear a little bit about the engineering. Your cohort, you you brought her in, and uh, <laughs> the two of you figured out how to engineer what was in your brain, right, Zenia? Yeah, definitely. It was um, it was a project that. Um, that was in my mind, but it wasn't until um, I partnered with Natalie that I knew it could be done. 
Natalie, you want to give us a little bit of a sneak peek on how uh, these wings came together? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so I have a little bit of background in, in constructing and I always like have loved uh, Halloween and sewing. So um, we kind of layered the costume a bit. There's the headpiece is separate from the wings, which is separate from the chest, um, which is separate from the tail and the apron on the bottom. Um, so the wings especially was a feat, uh, in itself. And I had a chair up on a table, um, on top of the chair, I had a rod and then I basically sewed five capes together, um, kind of measured our hands, put it back on measured, um, and then tried to make it so that it wasn't going to choke him while he was wearing it. Cause it's very heavy. There's, um, 400 delphinium stems, um, wired and glued and attached to the cape. So, Mm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of time and a lot of flowers into that. Um, we left the delphinium nice and long. So like the structures of the feathers was kind of anatomically correct, but still, you know, pretty. Um, and yeah, similarly with all the other aspects, which is, uh, a lot of massive flowers and attached, um, you know, with a structure of like wire or fabric of some sort. Can you talk a little bit about the hood? Because that's a separate piece also, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you started as. Yeah. There's a mask under there. There's a Halloween uh, Batman mask, I think, um, that we took the ears and the face off of um, and um, started from the bottom up layering hyacinth. Um, and then as we got to the crown, um, that's Mascari. And then we outlined the face in Bachelor Button. It's just incredible yeah. i can picture that headpiece that you bought at the halloween store uh as the base but everybody has their secret under undergarments right mm -hmm. <laughs> um let's look at the the next photo i think this might be the um last one i have in the series and uh this is breathtaking um the the vision that you had for your bluebird also involved how you wanted to photograph it right zenia right. that's kind of what um almost what came first that that picture in my mind um, I wanted to see that bluebird almost in flight um, and we have this in our backyard here this is photographed at the Ward Pound Ridge Reservation uh, which is right behind Sweet Earth Co there's 300 acres of just uh, preserves and trails and meadows and um, this particular field that we're photographing and just happened to have uh, this metal nest structure. It was just a, uh, an artisan installation that happened to be there when we drove in to, to do our photo shoot. And it was just so serendipitous. Um, and we took photos there as well as over by uh, the, the brook and the stream. Mm, mm, that's amazing. Congratulations. It's stunning. It's it's such an interesting inter interpretation of botanical couture because you wanted to pay homage to the bluebird of New York. It's the state bird. Also use, as you said, fresh flowers from the season and items you had dried. But it really, it's it's so theatrical and cinematic. As I said, it's, it's uh, maybe pulled off because of your model um, kind of getting into character, right? Fantastic. His name is Ryan Matthews and uh, a background in uh, modeling and acting, but he's uh, an interior designer. Um, and he just, everybody from the photographer uh, to Ryan, um, both were just so supportive of the idea and, um, and ready to do whatever we needed them to do. Okay. Natalie and Zinnia, will you guys do this again? Can you tell me what you're thinking of for the future? <laughs> I'm sure there's probably another one in there somewhere, but we have it. We're still <laughs> for this one. We have some weddings to take care of first. We'll drink <laughs> winter. Okay, that sounds great. Congratulations. This is just stunning. And thank you for sharing it with us. Thank and you, let's, Yeah, let's go to our next look. And we call this Flower Flutter. Robin Avni, my partner in Bloom Imprint, 
um, you know, did all the art direction on the magazine that you'll see. And she had a lot of fun with these headlines. So some of them are hers. And I would say this, this was definitely her response to Lisa Larson of Sunborn Gardens, a beautiful look. And Lisa, I'm going to start with your inspiration board that you submitted. Um, you actually took some time to think about what, what era you wanted to, uh, pay homage to. Yeah. I also kind of worked backwards. I knew what I wanted the final look to kind of feel like. Uh, and then the flowers kind of pivoted through, you know, shipping delays or just availability, uh, just like once I got started. Uh, but I kind of always had this very like simplistic 1960s mod vision. Um, being a rookie at this, I knew I didn't want to make a giant dress because <laughs> I didn't know how long it was going to take me. I only had two days to make it. Um, and then I had to have everything all set. So, um, I, I I was just thinking more of an overall look to keep it simple yeah. and making the the statement in the details. But I want everyone to look at this feather mini dress, <clears throat> this melon colored feathered mini dress, and see how much it carried over to Lisa's final look. Can I go ahead and check? We'll do the big reveal here. Uh, and here as well. First of all, this is the you're not seeing the whole dress, but the headpiece. <laughs> it is like your pillbox hat of the '60s, but gone botanical. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to have like a lot of fun with the whole overall look, um, in a more fashion way, I guess I've always loved fashion. I, you know, I'm an artist and, um, I knew I just wanted to keep everything like really graphic and simple because it was going to have so much texture with the flowers. Um, and so I just wanted to go big with the hat. <laughs> so how did you engineer the hat? What was the base of it? Yeah, it's just a felt hat base. Um, and then I covered it in moss and then I attached all the flowers to that base. Mm. So it has like a strap that goes around her chin. So it's just quite heavy. <laughs> you have a lot of hellebores on here. Those are from, are those from Sunborn Gardens? Yeah, the hellebores and then some variegated tulips are in there. Uh, yeah, that's all from my garden. Oh, stunning. Okay, and then here we go. Here's the dress. And um, you had you said you had some shipping delays, but you definitely worked around them. And w like all artists, you found a solution. Uh, how, yeah. did you, how did you engineer the dress? Um, the dress is actually just an old vintage. It was an old vintage jumpsuit I've had forever that no longer fits me. Uh, and I decided to finally sacrifice it to this project. Um, and so I cut it all up and I, you know, I altered it to fit um, the look. And then I used that as my base to glue it on. Um, when everything was, I originally had made a whole under structure out of that strapping that goes around all the florist boxes. I like wove it all together, but that was for when I thought I was going to do this one look. But then when the flowers were missing for two days, I just completely pivoted and started doing dried flowers, which is why there's so much Dusty Miller um, woven throughout it. Um, you know, I got halfway down with the Dusty Miller and then the florals showed up. And so it was kind of a hybrid of all my ideas at once. <laughs> <laughs> so you started building with dried Dusty Miller foliage on the yeah. base. I like the way you um, alternated the top and the underneath part, uh, the, the two different textures of that leaf. It really adds a lot of dimension. Yeah. Yeah. I do like using the backside of the Dusty Miller the most, especially when I make dried wreaths or anything. Uh, it just is more beautiful usually than the front side is more green. Uh, but then once I started gluing it all on there, I, I just liked how it looked when I it was just like really uh, random. Um, it gave it a lot more dimension that way. Yeah. And so then you tucked in the miscari and all the white larkspur when you got access to the fresh flowers, right? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. And it looks like your model could really move in it. Like you could could have worn this to a party afterwards. Yeah, it zipped and everything. Um, <laughs> she couldn't really sit in it without ruining the flowers. But yeah, she was moving. She was jumping. She was moving all around. <laughs> Uh, what surprised me the most when I saw this was uh, you just set up a little photo studio in your in your high tunnel. You didn't have to go on location. You, again, you're a mom. You've got kids at home. You're you and her, you and your husband are both farmers, and you run the design studio. It's like you didn't really have time to go off for a huge photo shoot somewhere. We originally had planned to do it in my new storefront, but they were still under construction. Uh, and so I was like, well, how do I keep it a clean background? And we had just so happened to had just cleared out this hoop house the day before. <laughs> so everything I feel like with wedding floristry and farming is always like a last minute make it work situation. So that's funny. We, and me and the photographer ended up just like loving how it felt in the greenhouse. Uh, in the end, we liked it better than a, just like a studio wall. You got great light too. 
Yeah. Yeah. She was enjoying that that day. <laughs> well, Lisa, I think the styling is amazing. I want to just ask you a little bit about the petals uh, on the face and also the chunky tulips uh, in the that neck piece, because it does look like those chunky necklaces of the 60s. Um, but how did you make, did you attach that d- directly to the dress? Yes, I did. Everything is just glued on um, just for time's sake, because I had to work really quick. Uh, those are just some tulips I had in my garden that were the, you know, nice and colorful that day. Um, so I just added them in there and then the petals around her eye and that other photo were, uh, ranunculus petals. Cause they were a little smaller to kind of, Oh, I love it. I love it. It's great. Well, um, I'm excited to see what you do with this. You told me that you you're launching your new retail space or studio space. And in doing so you're going to go all in on domestic U.S. grown and American and local flowers for your yeah. weddings, and this is going to be kind of your your symbol of that. Yeah, it was just kind of a cel- celebration and a way to start that whole new chapter uh, moving forward for us. Well, it's beautiful. Thank you, Lisa, for saying yes. And like what I just said to Zinnia and Natalie, I hope you come back next year and show yeah. us an, what you'll do differently. Uh, maybe, maybe um, we'll we'll all start earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and not have to wait and not be stuck with shipping delays, but you did a great job. Thank you. That's so cute. All right. Uh, all right, Nisha, you're up. Our cover girl is designed by Anisha Blancas. We call her Bridget. Brid, I call her Bridgerton Bright, but Nisha, you had a, a special name for her, but first talk a little bit about your inspiration. Yeah. So going back to my original plan, I had to figure out what I wanted to do. I, I knew last year I had did more of like a nineties Y2K vibe, but this year I just kept thinking like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And Bridgerton kind of took over the world. And so I finally gave in and like binged it and I just fell in love with the fashion. And so I thought I just kind of do a play off of the styles that I saw in Bridgerton and like make it my own. And this is what came out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you know, it's not that far from your inspiration because these hoops that are in this Oscar Cavallo fall 2014 fashion runway look that you've kind yeah. of fell in love with. It does uh, emulate the, the hoop skirts of that you see on Bridgerton. So it, it was a perfect connection. Yeah. So, I mean, I still wanted it to be something that, you know, I really liked and was intrigued over, um, but still had like a Bridgerton flair to it. I mean, I don't think you're going to see this at a Bridgerton ball, but, you know, well, in the perfect world for me, it would be. Well, tell us how you put this see-through hoop skirt together. It's, first of all, I couldn't believe you found it for $3 at the thrift store. I know it. I feel like everything kind of just aligned, but the actual like outfit itself is in three pieces. So we have the mini skirt is one. There's a detachable bow, a gigantic bow in the back of the dress, which that is also, um, that's three different, no, two different pieces. And then the hoop skirt is its own piece as well. Mm. So, so the hoop skirt goes over the mini gown and yeah. you had to cover every bit of the hoop with foliage yeah. which you said your your girlfriend helped you with, but like she was ready to kill you because it was oh, like yeah. a glue fest that never ended. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we were already almost done with the first, uh, the front of the hoop skirt and she had came over and she saw that I was almost done. And then she, she looked at me and she's just like, if we have to cover the inside of the skirt, like I'm going to murder you. And I like looked at her and I was like, we're covering the inside of the skirt. Like it's happening. (laughs) Right. Because you, you just so see-through, you see every, uh, you know, interior boning of that, of that hoop as well. Well, I love the way you use the, the foliage on the bow, which is a Cuba, which uh, came from cam floor in California. And you use that uh, same foliage quite prominently in the two bodysuits, the futuristic bodysuits from last year. Right. Uh, this is reinterpreted in a completely different way. And it it's, it's crazy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I feel like the Akuba though, for, for me, at least I, 
I mean, from what you told me the first time you had said that a lot of florists don't like to design with it. And um, oftentimes people don't think it's very eye-pleasing. I don't know. I feel different. And it's just, I'm obsessed with it. I, at this point, it's already on my second one. So I feel like it's just going to be my staple from now on. So it's going to get its life it deserves. <laughs> Your signature full. <laughs> All right. Before I let you go, I have to talk about the styling, the yeah. pink heels, the pink opera gloves, all the pearls, uh, the tiara, the sunglasses. That's sort of what makes this, this uh, uniquely niche up. Yep. I mean, it came out of my closet. So yes. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's fun. I mean, I had told you originally, I like to make sure whatever comes through the, through the photos that I want my model to be sassy and fun, young, youthful, bright, bold, like just everything that kind of, you know, can represent a woman that's like strong and, you know, prominent and I don't know. That's just, mm-hmm. I love it. But you do need to tell everyone where the tiara came from. Oh, it's actually my Kingsignetta tiara that I've kept for many, many years. <laughs> see, so. I want to see pictures of the 15-year-old Nisha wearing that for her Kingsignetta. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Thank you so much. I And thank you to your team of volunteers for all the gluing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, from one sort of royal inspiration to another. I'm so excited that Linda Spradlin of In the Garden Flower Farm and Nan Madison of Queen City Flower Farm, two friends and flower farmers from uh, the Cincinnati area came up with their own tribute to a queen. And this was their inspiration board. So Nan and Linda, why don't you jump in and talk a little bit about how you started brainstorming a little bit on um, your influences? I'll go. I don't see Nan on here, but um, she'll she'll jump up. Yeah. Okay. So basically we wanted to represent community and Cincinnati has the nickname, the queen city. So it was an obvious choice. Let's do a queen to represent our community. And we were hoping to kind of um, represent women of a certain age, you know, where we could value experience and knowledge and perseverance and, have fun with it, with the flowers. So that's kind of, we started researching Queen Leah Tyre throughout the ages. Well, I see all those, all those, all those right in the middle of the design board, because you looked at a lot of, a lot of mil, a millennia in the, the research, right? Oh, we did. And we looked at various centuries and we didn't put one um, era together. We pulled elements from different things depending on the aesthetic that we wanted to go with. So it could represent all the ages. It's not really a duplication of any age or any era. Great. It's kind of everything all together. Well, let's look at it. And I love that you were the model, Linda. This is amazing. You're so, you're so beautiful in this. I think you should just go around with a a crown on your head all the time. Well, I would like to, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so in the whole model thing, instead of hiring one, since we were kind of going with the mature woman, it was just easy for one of us to be the queen. Right. I love that because you literally photographed this right before Queen Elizabeth's Jubilee. So, and you know, you are way younger than her, but it was sort of a perfect, uh, in the, as Nan said, in the zeitgeist of everybody's consciousness about the, the royalty. Um, the collar is so amazing. It's, can you talk about how you engineered that? Well, um, Nan should talk about it because she did the collar. Nan, are you here on the call? I, yeah, I'm here. Um, hi, Nan. Hi. Hi. So the collar um, is actually a screen door mesh on a wire frame. So the logistic was finding something very stiff. Um, so we had to kind of sew that together. We sewed the mesh onto the wire frame, kind of like an armature. Mm. And um, originally we were going to cover the entire collar with lace, but the day we were doing it, we held it up to this light and it was like, oh my gosh, we can't color, we can't cover the whole thing. So that was like a fun that, piece. You like the see-through quality. We, to it. Yeah, we yeah. really like that. And that was kind of a last minute decision that we made. Um, 
Yeah, so there's quite a bit of time spent sewing on that. <laughs> and Nan, talk about the other pieces that are on on this slide with the the, the cuffs because those you had a lot of attachable pieces, sort of like yeah, so, other people have done. You make it in sections and and layer it and build it together. Right. So on our bodice, we had sewn sheer sleeves, but we wanted those cuffs, you know, just to play up to the whole, you know, fantasy of the queen. And again, we just incorporated the same, the foliage and the flowers that are used are used on other pieces within the piece. Um, oh, there you see the yeah, cuffs just on to Linda. kind of tie it together, you know, because you're making all these separate pieces and yet you have to tie them together to make it, you know, so they kind of go together. Yeah. Tell me about the earrings on the necklace, Nan. Well, Francois Wies floral um, jewelry was one of the very, very, very first workshops I ever took. And I keep using her techniques. We just, um, that's Hypericum and a bachelor button, just sewn together, just like you beat a regular necklace. Ah, I love it. It's great. Um, okay. And so Linda modeled this. She looks like she's having so much fun. Nan, you called yourself the lady in waiting to the queen. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. Because Linda really was the inspiration. So it was just kind of like, okay, you give me the image and I'll help you execute it. Oh my goodness. You guys did such a beautiful job. Um, Linda, uh, how did it feel to model it? Was it rather heavy and hard to move around in? It was, and it was very hot that day. And um, I had, when the photographer got there, I had three different locations where you were going to do, we're going to do this or that. And then after the first one, I'm like, this is all we're doing because it took so long and it was so hot. And she said, um, it was kind of cute because she said I was a typical bride because they have a lot of big ideas. And when they start, they're like, all right, I think this is this is good. <laughs> but we had to carry that big skirt out, made a chicken wire, Nan and I, on a pole. We had to carry, it was, and we kind of got dressed in the field. I think a few people have, other people have confessed to that too. Uh, I heard that from Jenny Diaz. So we'll hear, we'll hear how, how her model had to get dressed out in nature as well. Um, well, I love the fact that Queen City is the nickname for Cincinnati and actually Nan's Nan, your farm is called Queen City Flower Farm, which is the first time I put the connection together. So it, it was the thread of, of the influence carried all the way through. Yep. All right. Thank you both so much. I hope you come back and do something next year. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see, right? We'll see. Okay. Speaking of return, uh, like, <laughs> what do you call it? Encores. Uh, my... Friends at Johnny Seeds, Hillary Alger and Joy Longfellow have participated in this is their fourth year. And I like to, I did come up with this great grains. I thought that was a great little headline for it. I want to start with the, the inspiration was amaranth. And I, Hillary and I have a little art disagreement about the, apparently I was very pushy and kept asking her to do an amaranth <laughs> coat. Uh, I, I'm now very ashamed that I was that uh, pushy. But here, look at the variety of amaranth that you see on Johnny's website. And then Hillary sketched this. So Hillary, I want you to jump on and tell us a little bit about your your um, just your concept. Sure. Um, I I wouldn't say you were pushy. I think you um, generously furnished some framework for our project, which uh, we're happy <laughs> so to good. accept. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, um, we worked with dried amaranth. Um, we, Deborah, we, I think we shared a Pinterest board, um, that pulled elements from a lot of different sources, sort of desert Southwest harvest themes, um, maybe even a little, uh, hint of dystopia in there. Oh, I um, have to go look for that. I didn't add it to the PowerPoint. I'll, oh, I'll okay. be sure to add that when that's okay uh, when we post it. Um, yeah, and then and then I just started sketching, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you would um, label our theme, but there were sort of once we decided to do it, there were sort of two things um, that we wanted to accomplish. Um, one being that last year we did a big zinnia garment in the um, 
it ended up being more, the structure of it ended up being more like a, like a sculpture that was attached to a model or leaning on a model. And that um, sort of bothered me a little bit. And so we wanted this year for the garments to be a little bit more functional for the models to be able to move. Um, so functional then, that you actually wove fabric with this amaranth. And this, like, this is on your loom, right? Like you treated it like, yeah. a, like a fiber. Yeah, I thought it would be a nice challenge to actually try and create a fabric with sort of minimal um, additional construction materials. And I happen to have a loom. I, I haven't used a loom in 20 years, um, so it took a little bit to get it set up. But um, in the end, it was really satisfying. Just uh, the ropes of amaranth ended up being really beautiful, sort of looking like um, like a hand-dyed wool piece. Um, that's yeah. amazing. All right, let's look at the garments. And Joy, jump in and talk about how this was for you because Joy was the model last year and she was wearing that rather heavy zinnia gown. So it was probably fun to be behind the scenes this year, right, Joy? It was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed um it felt a little less stressful being on the other side of the project and getting to um participate a little bit more creatively with building both of these garments and um, to get to kind of support what what Hillary had designed. Um, mm. Another another fun piece about this is that we were able to have um, two different models who were actually members of our farm crew at Johnny's and are good friends. And so it was kind of fun to work with a team of the two of them and then also to have the opportunity to design sort of two corresponding sets of two corresponding outfits. Well, before we talk about putting the outfits together, Joy, I want to know how many stems of amaranth did you harvest and then dry for this project? Like you're, you, you, <laughs> you wiped out the whole trial crop? Pretty much. Yeah. As soon as we actually, um, I don't know how many stems we actually harvested, but um, we had two large plantings of amaranth in the field and early summer planting and then a later fall planting. And um, as soon as we kind of realized that we were going to be using the amaranth, I made sure to tuck away every single stem that we could pull out of the field because we just weren't sure how much we'd end up using. And so we had a um, kind of a barn full of dried amaranth. Oh my goodness. I love it. It looks so fluid and unstiff. You know, when you talk about something being dried, this has such a, um, it's not crispy. It's just got this soft wool-like feeling to it. Was it, did it crumble when you worked with it? No, it, they, they were, I would say they were surprisingly, um, the stems were surprisingly flexible and and we, um, we also spritz, spritzed them a little bit. Um, that they did start to get become brittle. Um, and so they were just slightly, to make them slightly damp and move a, a bit better, which worked really well. Well, the coat on the left uh, is the short sleeve coat. It's very similar in a in feel to that sketch you had, Hillary. You really, you know, once you had your concept, you had to just find something to have as your base garment, right? Yeah, yeah. And I originally wanted her 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 coat to be sort of more chunky and kind of more of like a shag look. But um, I just couldn't resist. Once I started working, I couldn't resist some of the nice lines of the jacket, which they're the undergarments, undergarment structure fit them both really nicely. Um, I mean, you even have pockets there, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're actually functional. I think there's a shot where she has her hand in, in the pocket. <laughs> And then the garment on the right is the same uh, base jacket, but you kept the sleeves and um, went more for this shoulder detailing with the contrasting um, dark red uh, bands from just a different amaranth variety. I love that. Mm. And uh, here's the front look. And uh, there's that hood that you wove from on your loom that is it was separately attached, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a separate piece. So we were um we were able to sort of use use it with and without the hood. Um yeah. Love it. Okay. And then I have to talk a little bit about the styling too. The Ugg boots and the shorts uh are make this so like high fashion. So <laughs> and then there were booties as well, right? 
Um, Chris, Christina, the model with the long jacket, she has a she has like a short UGG boot. Okay, um, and then this this model was what's her name? Lindsay. Lindsay. So she was wearing these boots, and you topped them with quote unquote fur, but that's some kind of ornamental grass, right? Yeah. yeah that's, was, oh. Ahead, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's just a, another variety of uh, a dried grass that we have. And we were, we had a, a few other dried materials that we'd harvested to use um, alongside this project. And I saw those and was like, oh, that would be, those would be perfect. Like a fur lined boot. Um, <laughs> How so, are the short? Enjoy. You made the shorts, right? I did. Yeah. How was that too? Um, I mean, you basically was just a lot of nights and hours just gluing amaranths to fabric, right? We spent a lot of time gluing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was um, surprised, you know, when we started working with the amaranth, how how much nuance and sh- different shading there was in the colors. You know, initially when we had, we had talked about it too, I wasn't sure there was, you know, how much of a color range there was going to be in it, especially dried. But I was really pleasantly surprised mm. by um, the range of colors mm. and how fun it was to kind of work with the different tones and shading. And your amazingly talented colleague, Kristen Early, who has photographed all of the Johnny's Seeds botanical couture looks over the years. I just see what, like, look at the light on that photo on the right. She just got, it just made the garment glow. She did such a great job. So I think everyone's going to be inspired to start drying their amaranth and making garments out of it. Because this is, these are beautiful, fun, and, and they fit your models like gloves like gloves. They're so attractive. Anything else you guys want to say about your, your (laughs) intensity of creating (laughs) these looks? I mean, not just one, but two looks. Yeah, I think (laughs) working with the dried material really, um, sort of set us free to, to, uh, let our imaginations go and spend, you know, as much time as we wanted working on these. So we, maybe what we sort of lacked in um, like vibrant colors, if we had worked with another material, we made up for in, um, in the detail that we were able to Mm. put into it with all that time. Mm. Um, And I guess the other thing I'll say is that um, Joy and I spend a lot of time with flowers over the season and often, um, it's not the most, um, there's creative elements of our work, but, but we're sort of rushing through to make it to the end of the season and, and get all these things done. And we really value having, um, getting to participate in this sort of fully creative experience is a really wonderful way to close out the season. Oh, so. we're so grateful for Johnny's support in, of American Flowers Week, but you take it a step further by you know, helping make these botanical couture looks happen. So I can't wait to see what you do next time. <laughs> we'll just assume there'll be a, a next time. I'm not going to make any suggestions, Hillary. It's going to be uh, all up to you now. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay, I think that's the last slide I have in that. Oh, no, I have one more photo. This is from On Location. And um, there's uh, Kristen, uh, the photographer with Joy in the green hat, and then the two models looking at some of their... Um, their looks. And by the way, they're not professional models. As Joy said, they're, they're part of the, the farming team at, at Johnny's. They are. Yeah. And we, as soon as we thought we would like to have two models, we thought of Lindsay and Christina because they, um, they work together pretty closely and they're good friends and they have a really nice chemistry that we, we thought would come through in imagery. So that's and awesome. they, were, they were wonderful to work with. Uh, they did a great job. And uh, I love that. Okay, great. Let's go to our next one. Um, I mentioned that Jenny Diaz, our graphic designer for Slow Flowers, who um, has worked, we've worked together uh, maybe since 2017. So um, every look that you see for Slow Flowers has got Jenny's fingerprints on it. She's created now for the third year a look and she, uh, hi, Jenny, want to come join us? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Ginny, um, you didn't have a concept photo. You just had a concept in your mind and your yes. inspiration was your amazing mom. And here's a photo of you with your mom. And uh, I love this photo. Uh, tell us a little bit about how this came together. So my family lives in Southern California. I live in Prather, California. So that's Central Valley. 
And I, my mom is very petite, if you can tell. And so I had to find a dress on Amazon that I thought would fit her and ship it to her and have her try it on. And when she got here, that was the first time I saw the dress. Oh my goodness. So she drove up from LA area to mm-hmm. the central California where you are. And you said you had, because of COVID, you hadn't really spent much time together in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so when I asked her to be my model, I was like, ha ha ha, mom and dad, I got you guys. You have to come now. So, <laughs> so I finally got to see them. <laughs> Well, this uh, dress has like a handkerchief hem, which really lends itself well to the kind of, you know, the flirty, fluttery flowers that you have draping down here. And mm-hmm. then I noticed that on the bodice, you did more of a, like, almost like color blocking with petals and flower heads and leaves, maybe because it was more fitted at the top. Yeah, it was more fitted. And I just felt like, I don't know, I just wanted it to be more artful around her face and, Mm -hmm. you know, have more of a consistency that would not detract from her face. Mm -hmm. You uh, and Nisha both are like the designer, the fabricator and the photographer. So it's just like amazing that you two are both so like triple threats in your talent. Like for, for you, Jenny, you've photographed your last two models in you know, unique locations. Uh, mm-hmm. One was in, right in, um, uh, what, like in, on a parking garage roof or something in Fresno. Right. And then the in other was, Fresno. and then the other was out like in the location of wildfires of California. So right. the Creek fire. Right. So tell us about this location. This is where you're living now, right? Yes. This is actually on um, my family's new property, our property and we have 20 acres and I took my mom on a little four by four mule you know riding up to the top of the hill that we have and she's always loved hiking and she's the one that introduced me to flowers so I thought you know why not have her out in her own natural element (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And her name is Jill, right? Yes. She just was a beautiful model. And how how special that you could have this tribute to her. And you used all California grown flowers and you photographed in like a quintessential California location. It just all came together so beautifully. Um, And I really thought your palette reflected the the blue sky. Like just you had a perfect day. It It worked out really well. Yeah, it was everything lined up. So Mm. it was perfect. Okay. The only thing that you probably wanted more of was time, right, Jenny? (laughs) Yes, that would have been nice. (laughs) Uh, It was a quick trip for my parents. They had to get back, but um, I got up around 4, 4.30 in the morning and photographed around, I don't know, 11? So between 4 in the morning and 11, you were building the dress. Yes. Got it. Okay. And there's, uh, as I said, um, we'll list all the plant, the varieties on the credits list, but this is mostly like Scabiosa. There was um, Godisha. I think maybe some bachelor buttons and then Mm -hmm. a lot of Larkspur and sweet peas and uh, Limonium in the skirt. So you had, um, you didn't really, you gave, Camplor a palette, but you did, did you specify specific varieties? The only thing I said was that I wanted these certain colors and that I didn't want a flower that was going to overwhelm her. Mm, Because she's so So, petite. Yeah. mm -hmm. So I was, I was nervous when I saw the wispier, more branched flowers because, you know, it doesn't cover as, as much surface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's there's exactly. a lot of layering that I did on the bottom to help <laughs> kind of like <laughs> figure that out. That's great. Thanks, Jenny. It's so Thank great. You. I love it. And uh we'll see if if uh if like everyone else, I'm asking you all to come back. But there are 850 Slow Flowers members. I, I'm putting the challenge out. More people need to get involved in this because it's so fun and uh it's just creates a way for viewers to see flowers in a new way. So thank you so much, Jenny, for that. 
Oh, here's another detail I guess I forgot to show before we wrap up. That's so neat seeing your mom's hand there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All yes. right. Next, from a full garment to a bikini, uh, I want to ask Carrie Wilcox of Carrie Wilcox Floral Design to uh, jump on the screen. Hello, Carrie. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Carrie and I have known each other for a long time. We've talked about her doing botanical couture, but it hadn't happened till this year. And this is your inspiration board that you sent me from Pinterest. So talk a little bit about where this came from, Carrie. Well, um, first, I kind of wanted to piggyback on what Hillary said, that we all get so busy during the wedding season and just trying to get through from weekend to weekend. So these creative outlets, these fun projects are so important for at least me to keep me inspired because, you know, all the weddings and um, flowers tend to look the same after a while. So to have some sort of inspiration um, really is like, it just excites me and, you know, gets me excited about flowers all over again. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you had a look, you uh, obviously had this vintage bathing beauty look that you wanted to (laughs) replicate. Why are you so in love with the beach, beach vibe, Carrie? Well, there's a couple. First, um, let me step back and say, I feel like the world is so heavy right now. I wanted to do something light and fun and airy and kind of not so like, um, like, I just feel like the world is very heavy right now. Yeah. So this, I'm um, doing some, and this is, this age to me is girly and fun. And um, I'm sure they all, we all have our own issues at every generation, but they just seem like any of the images are like, oh, they're fun having frolicking around the beach. And um, I love the swim caps. I actually had done a swim cap uh, for Philadelphia one year. And so I wanted to do it again. Um, and I just love the surfer vibe. We actually, um, I spent half my year at um, an, an island outside of South Carolina, outside of Charleston. So I had the surfer motif. And then we also um, have a house right on the beach in Connecticut that I live in. So the beach is part of my life, ingrained in my life. Um, and so I just thought this would be kind of fun and less fabric to cover. Should we look? Yeah. Should we look at, we'll look at your bathing beauty now. Oh my gosh. I love this look. (laughs) It was really fun. And it's like, you know, um, like a couple other people said, when you actually look at what you've been envisioning, you get all excited. You're like, Oh my God. You know, um, I have to say the, um, uh, creating the fantasy um, mum was fun to do with the Crispedia and the and and the base of the mum. Um, so yeah, so you're saying that you added the Crispedia to the center of uh, some some just white moms, right? Exactly, exactly. And then um, you know, I it had to be for the look. It, uh, we talked about it. it had to be like a certain flower because. I couldn't have accomplished this with some of the other flowers. So um, I kind of created my own little fantasy flower. And then the it. swim cap had to be like these bright, like Gerber daisies. Oh my gosh. And your model's hair is like completely Perfect. straight out of, you know, the 1950s, um, you know, Betty Davis look or something like that, or Betty Grable, I guess it is. So you had a really great um, hair and makeup team that came on board and, and helped you with the styling, right? And also the model created that she made that surfboard herself as a school project. So it couldn't have been, she couldn't have been like a more perfect model. Right. Oh my gosh. It's so terrific. And the cap is, is a fun accent too. How did you, uh, I know Gerber's were perfect for that. Did you have uh, a true bathing cap that you attached it to or? Oh, this is so interesting. So I thought, um, because over the years I've learned, it's easier just to um, add to a, um, not recreate, uh, not try to create from begin from zero, a mechanic and try to just use what's out there. Um, so I, that was a Hitomi Hitomi always pounded that into my brain. Um, so I actually did try a swim cap, a silicone swim cap, which who knew glue does not stick to silicone. Oh my gosh. Fabrics. Oh, Um, so that was fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily I tried tested it a couple of days before and it's basically just chicken wire that I just glued and we we put a little fabric on the other on the bottom side of it on the inside and then it just kind of sat on our head. You got the look you wanted. And here's your team. You want to just talk a little bit about uh, your creative team? 
Sure. Uh, so Tina um, to the right is, is Swedish and she is also, um, she's my lead designer. So she jumped in and had fun. And then the bombshell redhead is my photographer that I do a lot of weddings with. So she's amazing. Great. And actually, um, Tina's uh, niece was your model. Exactly. Yes. Tina's niece. It. And she was lives in Connecticut, but she's from California. So she was all around perfect. Ah, I love it. It's great. It's Americana through and through. I was, was telling you, we have some other Slow Flowers members who want to do their kids on surfboards mm -hmm. and they, they didn't get it together this year. So this is going to be their inspiration for next year. Uh, <laughs> kids, kids in floral, like board shorts and that sort of thing. So I almost right didn't get it together myself. So I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you're right about having a small amount to cover. I think that that's a good way to, to advise someone to get started. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, we have our final look. We have Jen and Meredith Henson of uh, Clara's Garden in Iowa. And I called this garden motif. So um, the inspiration we talked about, a lot, a lot, all the influences that houses in Iowa. So Jen, do you want to jump on and tell us a little bit about this pattern that you were inspired by? Um, yeah, uh, we... Uh went and uh, uh, mom and I uh, do the flowers for a house on the, a local historic city and uh, for the um, tour of homes thing. And uh, there's this one house that's at the top of uh, Snake Alley in Burlington, which is the crookedest street in the world. It's more crooked than Lombard Street. We don't say what, yeah, we don't know what they say is. <laughs> it's very crooked. And is, that, is that where this wallpaper, the, the type of William Morris wallpaper is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a huge house up at the top, and it doesn't look that big from the front, but it's got like four stories. You mm -hmm. can see it from the side of when you're going down the, the um, street. Well, anyway, um, we went in there and uh, we were, I was placing the centerpiece on the uh, table and I looked around and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's William Morris wallpaper. <laughs> so you, you kind of drew from that inspiration from your own backyard to create this wallpaper floral uh, maxi skirt with your model and it just turned out so beautiful to have that dimensionality. The light is perfect. And the dimensionality you don't get in wallpaper, but you brought it to life in this three dimensions. So talk a little bit about this um, wraparound skirt with what material you use for the ground, the green, and then what you use for the botanicals. Okay. Um, well, I just kind of, I put a big piece of chicken wire on the, on a step ladder that we have and I kind of molded it so it would fit Lauren, the model, and um, who I had never met before, but she's a, one of our good family friends is um, the youngest son's uh, <laughs> girlfriend. And mm -hmm. so she had, those are her modeling credentials right there. <laughs> we, get, we, get a lot of, we get a lot of family members dragged in, and friends dragged into these projects. Yeah. yeah, she's cute and she was available. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that actually what she's wearing underneath is my last bridesmaid dress oh, how um, that I ever had because uh, I was bridesmaid nine times. And I decided after the ninth that no, no more. Yeah. I'm not buying anything else. Yeah, I love But it. this skirt, um, I just kind of stuck everything in there. What's the foliage? Uh, the foliage is viburnum and uh, some, it looks like, yeah, I can't remember. Okay. Anyway, you created, uh, but, you created the the base with the green greenery, and then you added the, all these peonies from your garden. Yeah, we have at least ten peony bushes, and we're going to add more this year. This year for mm -hmm. next year. Very so cool. they grow really well in Iowa. Like if you look, most places 
get there, uh, if they have wholesale peonies, they get theirs from an Iowa farm. That's fine. And I think the people that run one of them are a little wacky, but uh, <laughs> hey, we'll, we're all we'll wacky. wacky. Well, um, thank you so much, Jen and, and Meredith. I love this, and I hope you you keep this going. Um, I asked Jen if she thought she could sell a, a floral skirt or or maxi dress to a bride, and she wasn't so sure about that, but maybe a bride. <laughs> A bride we'd like to have with that budget. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, to wrap up, I just want to thank all of our creatives and mention that we have these amazing um, sort of graphics that everyone can use for uh, social media. And uh, you viewers can get and listeners can download these from AmericanFlowersWeek.com and our creatives will have them uh, coming up this week to start using with their creative teams. Um, featuring all the photography and the designs. And of course, Jenny Diaz, thank you for making these look so cool with the, the typography that you use every year. Um, but really the goal of American Flowers Week is just to celebrate <laughs> domestic floral agriculture, sustainable floral design, and to engage people with the idea that, you know, flowers are grown in all 50 states and there's a local flower farmer near you, or if you're a home gardener, to, you're inspired to grow your own. Um, I wanted to mention that uh, th all these looks will be published this week in the debut quarterly issue of Slow Flowers Journal. We did one last summer just for fun with this upper left-hand uh, corner photo uh, for Botanical Couture. That's another Nisha Blancas look. But now moving forward, we're going to publish Slow Flowers Journal quarterly. And I just want to thank my partner, Robin Ovney, um, creative director of Bloom Imprint for partnering with me on this project. So this is a magazine that's got all the stories of the botanical couture um, creations and the people behind it, but as well as there's a lot of other editorial material included, um, studio tours and uh, essays and profiles. And, um, and we're added, we added our 2022 um <clears throat> trend forecasts, our botanical, um, excuse me, our slow flowers, floral insights that uh, as a bonus section. So you'll all be able to get that later this week. And I just thank all of you for being part of this. This was mm -hmm. so much fun. And I hope that it serves to inspire uh, more of our uh, members to get involved and do some floral fashion. I'm a, a frustrated uh, fashionista myself. I studied clothing and textiles. And I think back to all the dreams I had of being involved in the fashion industry and uh, nothing is has compared to being part of this botanical couture collection with all my slow flowers friends. And um, I'm just happy that you're all part of this. And Nan wrote, this is an entire collection. It is an entire collection indeed. And it's really fun to have eight completely different unique looks representing the full spectrum of botanical ingredients, of locations around the country and of, you know, how they're represented by our models. Uh, so I, I'm just couldn't be happier. And thanks to all of you for being part of this. Well, that was fantastic. Thanks so much for joining today. We know that creativity is not a finite commodity, although time and space in which to create, well, that's a priceless factor that can make the difference for so many florist designers and makers. We thank our talented botanical couture creatives who value local seasonal and sustainable flowers above all else, and we thank them for investing their time and creativity in this project. Together, they are stimulating curiosity and changing people's relationships with flowers. What a wonderful preview. I want to share a special thank you to our Botanical Couture sponsors who supported many of our florists and farmer florists with donated flowers. Thank you to Carlos Cardoza of Camflor Inc., a Watsonville, California-based family-owned flower farm. 
for providing stems of flowers and foliage for several of the looks, hundreds of stems. And thank you to our friends at Mayesh Wholesale Florist for providing shipping, delivery, and logistics support. We are grateful for Mayesh's support of the Slow Flowers podcast, family-owned since 1978. Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with them to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. You can learn more at mayesh.com. I hope you're inspired to participate in American Flowers Week. You'll want to log on to AmericanFlowersWeek.com and check out the free downloads and media resources. There's a menu across the top of the page. There you will find artwork, social media badges, and our newest edition of the quarterly digital magazine, Slow Flowers Journal. Our final sponsor thanks goes to the Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 864,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find a donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then. Thank you.